I mean, there's a lot at stake. I mean, Main Street gear shops are struggling. Some are closing. Um, we all see the emails and the updates uh, on that. You know, the world out there is evolving. Um, and in some ways, many ways, it's evolving faster than the speed of national trade shows and associations. Welcome to the Channel Mastery Podcast. If you're a specialty business and brand leader obsessed with understanding what the most effective channels are today to connect with, serve, and sell to your target consumers, then you've just found the perfect podcast and community. My name is Kristen Carpenter, and I'm your host and the founder of Verde Brand Communications, the presenting sponsor of Channel Mastery. Verde created the Channel Mastery Podcast to level the playing field for the specialty brands we serve. Every week on this show, we study how consumer preferences are changing and the evolving channels they like to use to engage with their favorite brands. Once again, welcome to Channel Mastery and subscribe today. Well, hello there, my friends, and welcome back to the Channel Mastery Podcast. Kristen Carpenter, your host, reporting in for duty today, and I have to tell you, I am super excited about today's episode. You're about to hear an interview with Sutton Bacon and Darren Bush, co-founders of The Big Gear Show. This news has been, well, I think disruptive is a good descriptor, but it really doesn't do it justice when you look at the level of the conversation happening out there. And you'll get a front row seat today in hearing the vision and the why behind the Big Gear Show directly from the two founders. If you, like so many of our listeners at the Channel Mastery Podcast, have been questioning the value of trade shows today to your specialty business, you do not want to miss this show. Before we drop in, I'd like to give a shout out to our two presenting sponsors, Verde Brand Communications, the source for specialty multi-channel brand communications and snooze, the source for outdoor industry news. Learn more about Verde at verdepr.com and read up on the latest industry news at snoozenet.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the Snooze newsletter. You'll get headlines delivered right to your inbox every week. All right, back to episode 117, everyone. So on December 9th, 2019, which feels like a lifetime ago, but it really wasn't that long ago, Sutton and Darren announced the launch of the Big Gear Show slated for July 22nd through 25th in the year 2020, which is where we are, obviously, at the Salt Lake Convention Center. So a little background on these two. Sutton is the former leader of the Natahala Outdoor Center and the co-founder of Paddle Sports Retailer with Darren, who is the creator of the wildly successful paddling-specific consumer event Canucopia and the owner of specialty paddle sports retailer Rutabaga. The duo launched Paddle Sports Retailer because, in their view, the needs of the paddling hard goods manufacturers and retailers weren't being met by Outdoor Retailer. And the Big Gear Show is an evolution of Paddle Sports Retailer. The Big Gear Show was launched because, in their view, the needs of the hard goods manufacturers in paddling outdoor and bike were not being met, nor were the specialty retailer buyers in those sectors. But let's be real. If you gathered 10 people from different facets of the industry and asked them the value, optimal timing, and location of a trade show, you would literally get 10 different answers. Many of us are asking if one big show, like Outdoor Retailer, can even meet the needs of a specialty business community intent on modernizing to serve a target omni-channel shopper today. Our North Star here on the Channel Mastery Podcast has always been the shopper and becoming as shopper-centric as humanly possible in our businesses. Sutton and Darren talk about how the Big Gear Show prioritizes the needs of the hard goods vendors and especially retailers to be remarkable to that shopper. They want to democratize the trade show investment and even the floor space. That's what they're promising in this new show. So I have one request before we continue. You're listening to an episode that will require you to have an open mind. Remember, we build this show every week to help you be remarkable to a notoriously fickle moving target, otherwise known as today's shopper. You have to consider new approaches in your specialty business continually to be great at that. 
So I like that there's a lot that challenges the status quo in what you're about to hear. It's a good thing, ultimately. I also thought it was interesting that Brandy Leepak, the president of the National Bicycle Dealers Association, endorsed the Big Gear Show right out of the gate. As of this recording, there's about 70 independent bike dealers, or IBDs, signed up to attend. Sutton and Darren did tell me that news on exhibitors and attendees will be consistently updated at their website, biggearshow.com. So needless to say, we have not seen an official endorsement from an outdoor industry trade association for the Big Gear Show. But to be fair, the Outdoor Retailer Trade Show, which is owned by Emerald Expositions, is still obviously very much in existence, while Interbike is not. It is still on a hiatus of sorts, and it is also owned by Emerald Expositions. As far as points of differentiation for the Big Gear Show go, you're going to hear an earful today from Sutton and Darren. Some of the points that I asked them about include why they combined outdoor and bike into this show, what their plan is for the Consumer Day, how the Big Gear Show model differs from that of outdoor retailer or interbike, why they chose Salt Lake, and why Sutton and Darren chose to hire the former directors of Interbike and Outdoor Retailer, respectively, under Emerald Expositions, and that would be Lance Kamasaska and Kenji Haratunian. Through the research I did for the show, the topic of the Outdoor Industry Association and Emerald Expositions came up a lot in terms of what another trade show later in the summer might do to attendance at the longstanding Outdoor Retailer show, and the effect of that on OIA. This topic requires an entire episode on its own, and I've reached out to OIA to get that on the books. Darren does address that question in this interview. And I know that OIA is contributing an op-ed to Snooze on this very topic the week of January 20th, so look out for that at snoozenet.com. So I'm sure you've seen a lot of releases and social media banter on the Big Gear Show, I know that you've not heard Sutton and Darren address questions in their own voices, and that's what you're about to get in this interview today on the Channel Mastery Podcast. So let's get to it. Here's the Big Gear Show interview on the Channel Mastery Podcast. Let's do this. As I touched on in the introduction to the show today, we're here to talk about the December 9th announcement of the Big Gear Show, which is a brand new show launching for the trade with a consumer day in Salt Lake City in 2020 in the month of July. So even though that may feel like a ways away, it's going to be here before we know it. And obviously, there's a lot of planning going on right now, a lot of conversation. And that's why I'm just delighted to have the two of you here on the show today to kind of build a little more context around discussion of the big gear show. I think it's important that you both touch on or one of you touches on the paddle sports retailer show and then pivot into the big gear show. Sure. This is Sutton. I'll, I'll take this one. So, so yeah, let's, let's dig into paddle sports retailer. So like I said earlier, Darren and I served for many years on the OIA board. Um, so we've seen the outdoor trade show dynamics from a variety of perspectives and we actually worked hand in hand with OIA and Nielsen at the time on paddle sports industry issues and in an attempt to keep paddle sports as part of the larger summer show. But really, paddle sports retailer was born when OR finally announced a date shift into June. So the selling season for paddle sports is already short. And introducing product that early was just not feasible for um, much of the industry. So. We launched Paddle Sports Retailer in Madison uh, in year one, uh, which is where Darren lives and where he hosts uh, Canucopia. So because we very much had sort of a home field advantage, if you will, Darren's there, the exhibitors knew the hall well, and it just made sense. Um, for years two and three, we moved the show to Oklahoma City. Um, and at face value, we got a lot of questions about, well, this is an odd move, uh, until you realize that Oklahoma City's invested $100 million in the most state-of-the-art whitewater and flatwater paddling facility anywhere, perhaps in the world, in walking distance from the convention hall. So we were able to combine a traditional B2B uh, trade show event with a really dynamic uh, whitewater and flatwater demo. 
And so as retailers, we built our value proposition for Palace Forge Retailer around the motto of for retailers, by retailers. And the response to PSR was overwhelming. Brands loved it. Uh, the show was a fraction of the expense and the hassle of OR. Um, we put all the key paddle sports dealers in front of them. Um, we had strong return rate from exhibitors. Our buyer satisfaction rate was well over 90% uh, from those who attended. And we grew the number of unique stores that attended the event each and every year. But the show was still small, and there were two pieces of consistent feedback that we kept hearing from exhibitors and retailers that we just felt at the end of the day, the current show format couldn't solve. Um, first, given some of the industry sales dynamics within paddle sports, brands felt it was just imperative to get more non-endemic buyers to the show. So maybe that's stores that used to be in paddle sports but aren't anymore. Maybe that's stores that could potentially be new dealers. You know, we tried everything we could to get more mainstream sto stores to PSR. But ultimately, as siloed as that show was focused on paddle sports, it was just really difficult. And then second, and sort of the flip side of the same coin, um, retailers consistently said they wanted to see more brands at the show, um, especially from complementary categories like camping and climbing gear and accessories. And even though we supported last year alone over 150 shops with hotel reimbursements, there's still a great amount of expense and time and opportunity costs for buyers to attend trade shows just in the first place. So buyers wanted and needed more value for their time. So just like the original uh, launch of PSR was an evolution from OR, <clears throat> we then evolved it again in the move to Oklahoma City. The idea for the Big Gear Show was yet another evolution, building on what we had done with Palace Switch Retailer but really with the intent to solve the two key things that we felt the current format wouldn't allow us to do, which is get more non-endemic buyers to the show and broadening our exhibitor mix. Darren, anything uh, to add there? No, I pretty much, pretty much nailed it. it. We're super customer-centric, right? It's not about what's best for, for Darren and Sutton. It's about what's best for the industry. And because of that, they, they say we have a problem. We say we'll solve it. And I do, I, I, again, I appreciate so much. This is great, uh, such a great platform for us to talk about the points of differentiation, some of the challenges that you're facing, et cetera, with the Big Gear Show. And I also invite the audience today to have an open mind and, and consider the solutions that you need to best continue to modernize your businesses to really, I think, be remarkable to and provide great experiences to that North Star for us here at Channel Mastery, which is actually the shopper, right? And ultimately, I think that's a really great point for us to, um, to start from. I would love to have you just point out what specifically, like who is this show for within a retailer team, if you will, a buyer team? And also, perhaps I think before that, before we talk about that specific person on the team within the retailer, Let's talk about the fact that you've conjoined multiple active outdoor lifestyle industries under your big tent. And if you go to biggearshow.com, you'll see what I mean by their branding in terms of inviting more people into that tent to be more consumer centric. So why don't we go ahead and start with, um, you know, your, your takes on why you decided to include multiple sectors of the active outdoor lifestyle market together under the big tent. Sure. So maybe, we can start with the what and then move to the why. Okay. So the, the what is, you know, I think would be sort of helpful background. So the Big Gear Show is a multi-category event for paddling, biking, climbing, camping, and accessories. So like you mentioned, it's a B2B show with a consumer day. Um, it'll be held uh, this summer in Salt Lake City from July the 22nd through the 25th. And there are, um, I think, a few key points of differentiation that I'd like to sort of start with to lay the foundation for, for the why of what we're doing. So the first is, this is a show for the industry by the industry. I mean, it's actually just Darren and me. I mean, there's no Wall Street conglomerates driving up booth fees, no stock ticker. I mean, we are singularly focused on the needs of outdoor gear shops and equipment manufacturers. No distractions, no George Foreman grills, no container dumpers who don't respect retail distribution or IP. We are for the industry, by the industry, for retailers, by retailers. Number two, 
uh, retailers can earn um, and lodging reimbursement to help offset the cost of attendance. So like I mentioned uh, a few minutes ago, we hosted over 150 shops at PSR last year alone. Now, I know Grassroots has a similar structure, but most national shows do not. Number three, our show has a cost structure that's actually affordable for gear companies to exhibit. So our prices are a fraction of OR. We're talking like 50 to 60% less, and we're taking no markups and booth decorations, drayage, et cetera. Number four, we have a highly technical in-show demo opportunity throughout the whole show. So we we feel like the current pre-show demo model is broken. Exhibitors and retailers consistently told us, look, it's it's more appropriate. The pattern for gear demos is, is see, try, buy, not try, see, buy. So it doesn't make sense to have the traditional demo on the first day and nothing else. So we're going to have it throughout the show. And fifth, um, as we talked about, we'll talk, I'm sure, more about later, but we're inviting consumers into the big tent. You know, it allows uh, our brands maximum buzz and reach by taking their products and their brand stories directly to consumers. And so we're really excited about that. So, you know, I think it's, it's transitioning to the why. You know, we talked a little bit about sort of the evolution from Paddle um, Sports Retailer, but let's sort of elevate it up uh, a level. The way we see it globally is that, you know, the outdoor industry was – forged by men and women who took the same risks in business as they did on you know on rivers and mountains I mean, they refused to accept the status quo they built gear that would keep their friends safer drier faster warmer you know they were scrappy selling gear out of the back of the cars um and met in reno to have a good time but also for some commerce and years later we look at the outdoor industry today the outdoors has become mainstream Mass markets love our flat shirts, our fleece, our sandals. I mean, it's just a way of life for tens of millions of people. But the industry is at a crossroads. Big boxes are failing our brands. Amazon is suffocating many of our local gear shops. The bigger getting bigger. And Wall Street and private equity investors are, are threatening the soul of our industry. And so the big gear show is a show for the rest of us. It's a show to the innovators and startups and the domestic manufacturers and the local gear shops like Rutabaga, where the staff walk the talk, they bring in novices and send out enthusiasts. I mean, we're not beholden to the demands of big boxes and mega brands and stock tickers. We, we're, you know, we're saving our exhibitors over 50% in exhibition fees so that they can keep money in their pockets and reinvest in innovation and product and people because, you know, gear companies and hard goods manufacturers, they just don't have the margins to afford expensive trade shows. So that really is sort of the why behind the what that I just described. Thank you. That is super informative. And before we, I'm going to ask uh, Darren a couple of questions around dates and location. But before I do that, I'd also love to have one of you kind of speak a little bit more to what you just said there, Sutton, which is, how you're going to be developing innovation and product and people at this at this um, gathering and at this trade show. I don't think that inviting people to come to the big tent from you know different markets per se is enough context in this show to kind of offer the listener what they need to know in terms of what they'll receive. I think there's an air war and a ground war, right? There's an air war in terms of like opportunity for learning and collaboration. And the ground war is being able to see new things and delight and, you know, enable discovery for our target and shoppers. So I just wanted to ask a little bit around kind of, um, I guess, air war and ground war. I hate to use war um, analogies, but it's, it's also a marketing analogy that we use a lot. Uh, if you could speak a little bit around how you'll be innovating people in terms of how they're developing their businesses beyond just hard goods. Sure. Darren, you uh, want to take that? Sure. So uh, it gets back down to the retailer, which is gets down to the consumer, right? We work backwards from there. Um, so an example for that is like, I, I have for years attended trade shows for other sectors, you know, sea otter, um, you know, interbike, basically to go to seminars, right. And to see what people who, do exactly the same thing that I do every day, just with a different mechanism, right? How they run their businesses and what they do. And what I've found is that 95% of what we do, it's all the same, right? So to have an artificial divide between, 
you know, bike and paddle and camp. It's like, it's, it's silly, right? We all, anybody who paddles bikes, anybody who bikes skis, right? We all, we all do this. So it is really a big tent for that reason. Um, one of the things that we found over the years as retailers, when I, uh, I'll get phone calls from people saying, Hey, can you meet me at the coffee shop, you know, around the corner at squatters or whatever, I want to show you something. It's like, okay, well, sure. And it's, you know, a guy that's invented this little widget that there's no way he can afford a $3,500 booth. It's like, we want those people there. Those are the guys that are tinkering in their garages. I mean, that's where Yvonne Chouinard made his first, you know, first piton was in his garage. So we need to support those people because they're the innovators. So giving the retailers a chance to, A, talk to their peers in other sectors to help solve the problems that they have and to allow them to see smaller brands um, and, and innovators. Number one, it gets them you know, first access to cool stuff. And number two, it gets them juiced about you know, things they get to do in their industry. So that's the stuff that I get excited about. You know, When I see another big whatever from you know, a big whatever company, yeah, that's nice. But when I see a titanium folding stove that burns twigs designed by a guy from South Salt Lake County, it's like, that's really cool, right? That's something I can bring into my shop. So that that's the one part of it. The other thing about the value proposition is, um, like I said, there's there's technical stuff, but there's also like you know, shop practices, things like that. But there's also like materials, right? So I use carbon fiber. You know, Paddle Sports uses carbon fiber. So does bike. We never talk to each other about materials. So it's the perfect opportunity for someone who manufactures uh, those materials to get in one spot and to talk to both customers at the same time. And for us to go, hey, that's cool how they use that. And for them to say, hey, that's cool how Paddle Sports uses that. Maybe we should talk more. Um, so that that kind of community is what we're all about building. Thank you. That's awesome. Um, and we will get more into um, you know more details on that, I know, as we have our conversation here today. So before we move on to our, my next line of questions, the two of you, I would love to have you address why you chose the dates and the location of the Big Gear Show. Well, the dates are pretty, uh, it's a pretty simple thing. And again, we're super customer responsive. So we, we put the show where people want it. Uh, we were somewhat constrained this year by dates. So we put them at the best possible place we could the end of July. We can see moving it um, a little bit forward or a little bit backwards, whatever, into August, that would be great. But ultimately, we're going to go where the manufacturers and retailers tell us to go. And I know there's no perfect date, right? There never is. If you do a survey, it's going to come out with a big flat line, right? 20% want it this week, 20% want it the next week. But in general, listen, listening carefully, we can figure out the best time to do it. That's That's the date issue. Um, as far as where, um, Salt Lake is pretty much, it's been home for 20 years, right? More than that. And it's a great outdoor community. The, the city loves us. The city supported us. And, you know, outdoor really didn't leave Salt Lake, right? It never has. I mean, who's there still? I mean, Clearfield, Utah is the home to some of the biggest companies in the industry. Um, you know, Black Diamond's there, Pencil's there. So, it's it's still very much a, an outdoor place. Do you want to speak at all to kind of the environmental backdrop and why the show left in the first place? Because I know that that's a, a question that came up in, in the research that I did around this show. Yeah, I I really can't speak to why they left. I don't know that it was 100% because of that. That's That's just my opinion. Frankly, Utah probably spends more time and money on outdoor stuff than pretty much any other state. You know, Governor Herbert paid state funds to keep the federal parks open when during the government shutdown because he realized how important that was both to the users as and to the revenue coming into the state. Um, they've got the first Office of Outdoor Recreation. They're the first ones to develop that. They've got pages and pages of grants and uh, programs that they put together to help support things like trail access and, you know, those things that help people use the outdoors. Now, you know, the land policy thing, let's just say the land policy is really complex, but most of the stuff we're talking about is at a federal level, not at a state level. So, um, you know, Bears Ears is a, a touch point, obviously, and people are concerned about it. We're not going to have the ability to impact what Utah does 
unless we have a seat at the table. And um, going back to Salt Lake gives us that seat. You know, Frank Hugelmeyer used to say, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And uh, I very much believe that. So we're going to do the best we can to work with the Office of Outdoor Recreation, to work with the governor, and to work with the folks there to, to make our impact known. Thank you so much for addressing that. And then as we uh, go into my next um, topic here, I think that it ties together really nicely. So let's go ahead and talk about the show directors that you have uh, to deploy on paddle sports, on cycling, and on outdoor respectively. So I would like one of you to talk about um, some of the news that you just released. I think this show will be coming out about a week after one of those big announcements. But talk about the team, and then I, I have a few questions for you about that in terms of bringing bike, outdoor paddle, and other tertiary outdoor markets together under the Big Ten as it pertains to that. Sure, I'll take that one. So as as everyone knows by now, um, we're excited to welcome on board, I mean, just two huge industry icons, Kenji Hartunian and, and Lance Kamasaska, um, to the team. So Kenji um, was the former show director of Outdoor Retailer for many years. Lance was his counterpart and show director at Interbike. And then we also have Charles and the whole Paddle Sports Retailer team. So literally, we have the former show directors of Interbike, Outdoor Retailer, and Paddle Sports Retailer all working together toward our shared vision. So, I mean, I don't think there's another show team in the industry that brings as much experience and expertise to the table. Um, and so we're really excited about that. Those guys are hitting the ground running. And, you know, I can't think of better, better leaders to help uh, communicate our vision and articulate what we're doing and why we're doing it than, than Kenji Lance and Charles. Awesome. And then one of the main questions that I have around that news pertains to exactly what you just said, choosing these leaders um, who can be construed as old guard, putting them in the role of supporting and shepherding your vision for a new show format. Can you, one of you address that, please? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, both Kenji and Lance are well known within the industry for having an entrepreneurial spirit and authentic voice. I mean, they're just, they have such breadth of experience, which you, which you talk about, especially as Kenji's days as a, as a store manager and guide at Adventure 16. I mean, they, they totally understand our four retailers by retailers mantra. And, you know, I also applaud Kenji's tireless efforts around diversity and inclusion um, for the industry, which hopefully we'll talk a little bit about as well in terms of sort of the definitions of, of outdoor. But yeah, to answer your question, I mean, the unique thing that these guys bring to the show, best practices of what to do, some scar tissue about what not to do, and also the perspective of what they would have loved to do, but they just weren't allowed to do. And so, you know, they understand we're all about the future, not the past. And I think the combination of that perspective and our forward outlook is is going to be critical and be the rest, recipe for success. And I, that's a great answer. I don't know, Darren, if you have anything to add on that point before I kind of jump to the next topic here. Well, just, I mean, anecdotally, um, I had some turnover here, some long-term employees that, that, that left to pursue their passion in the industry and be promoted from within an assistant manager who sat down with me and gave me a list of things that he'd been wanting to do for years, but wasn't quote unquote allowed to because of the way that the business was structured and they were all brilliant ideas. So, you know, new blood and old blood is a nice mix, right? So we get, we get the experience, but we also get a completely different perspective, you know, and I come from a consumer show background and, um, having people on the team that are consumer show driven and also um, trade show driven, it, it's a nice mix. We can feed off each other and we'll come up with ideas that work better just because we get to have that cross fertilization. I totally agree with that. And I also believe, and this leads nicely into the next area that we're going to go into here, that I think moving the goal post, if you will. So like giving this team with a wealth of experience different metrics for success is going to be really interesting in terms of what we're discussing here today. So with that, I think that it's important to talk about exactly who the show is for, like who will benefit. Obviously, retailers are busting, you know what, to kind of <laughs> modernize, evolve, keep the lights on, um, keep providing that, that goal of customer experience, et cetera. 
So understanding who on the team this is really built for and you know what you're hoping they'll bring back to the hive would be great. So I think talking about that as we're also considering the context of these communities of bike, paddle sports, and outdoor, as well as you know the leaders of these shows coming together to kind of create a new foundation to help support the modern, modernization of the specialty retailer in this space is a perfect place for us to go next. So who is this show for and what is the best mindset they could bring to this show in order to really, you know, I think cross train, if you will, for their um, retail teams when they go back to their shops? Well, I can tell you um, that we have a buying team here and hard goods and soft goods are completely separate. And the reason that's, that's the case is that you buy hard goods and soft goods very differently with soft goods. It's, often a one and done, right? You place your order very early. So, you know, we're placing orders now that we're going to see next September because of the lead times in clothing, which is why the show has been moving, you know, shows have been moving back, right? More and more to accommodate clothing. With hard goods, we can chase it more. You know, we have better turns and um, more more SKUs. Uh, we're actually more styles. So it's a little bit tougher, tougher to do it. So it's a different skill set. It's a different buyer. So being able to send a hard goods buyer to one show without the distractions of clothing and then send the clothing person to their show. And so like our, our clothing buyer goes to GOA and is focused on nothing but clothing, right? You know how focused that show is. It's just boom, boom, boom. And then they go to the hard goods show. And so that's, that's the division. The other thing that's interesting is, you know, I, I have a friend who has a, a cargo bike shop and I basically gave him a, an inflatable uh, stand-up board to hang up in his shop. And um, think about the zero carbon footprint, right? So you get on your bike, go to the lake, pump up your board, go for a paddle, roll it up, put it back on your bike and go home. And a friend of mine owns a, an inflatable stand-up paddleboard company. He says he opened nine shops last year and five of them were bike shops. So that, that cross-pollination as well is huge. You know, I don't know why bike shops don't sell more dry bags, right? And it's like you own a bike shop. There are no dry bags there. It's like, why wouldn't you fill a pannier full of dry bags, right? So there's, there's gear cross-pollination as well as ideas cross-pollination. And I think that allows retailers to walk over in the bike area from the outdoor space and go, hey, that's a pretty cool gizmo. I've never seen that before. Well, that's because there's been a firewall there before, and now there isn't. That is a really, that's a really great point. Thank you for sharing that. I also think it's important to talk about what you guys explained to me earlier in one of our rehearsal calls around the democratization of floor space, because I think that plays into kind of this larger topic of Lance Kenji and the multiple categories of outdoor active lifestyle coming together. Sutton, would you be able to talk a little bit about the cost investment structure around this? I know you've touched on it, but specifically around the ROI, again, in the context of a different type of um, success metric? Uh, sure. So, so specifically to cost, I mean, it, it's, it's pretty simple. Our base rate is $15 a square foot. It drops to $13 a square foot for booths over 500 square feet and $12 a foot for booths over 1,200 feet. Um, we will have booth size limits. Um, we really are about the we'll talk a little bit about that, but we really are about um, the democratization of floor space and putting innovation forward. Whether it's a big company or a little company, you know, we're not going to have tents and ballrooms. We're all going to be on the main floor together. But let's just, you know, just for the sake of comparison, let's compare our prices to outdoor retail or summer market from last year. So our base rate is fifteen dollars a square foot. OR's base rate is thirty-eight dollars a square foot. And then it went down to $30 a square foot. And that's for last year's show. So, for example, that means if you have a 400-square-foot booth at OR, you're paying $15,000 just for the booth, not including all the surcharges, fees, the decorator, et cetera. With us, that same booth is just $6,000. That's a $9,000 difference. Um, and we're not taking commissions and markups on things like drayage, booth carpeting, Etc. I mean, our goal is to keep things as affordable as as possible. And so, you know, to answer your question a little bit about our strategy, kind of going back to what Darren was saying about you know the differences between hard goods and soft goods. I mean, we really are focused on breaking down the artificial and unnecessary industry segmentation 
really based on longstanding trade shows and trade associations and just the way it's always been. I mean, we're so excited to welcome the bike industry into our big tent. I mean, there's no reason that the bike industry should have been separated from what we consider the core outdoor industry for so long. And the thing that the sort of the commonality is, like Darren said, hard goods are totally different than soft goods. And whether you're making a boat, a bike, or a beaner, you have a lot more in common with your cross-category brethren who are making hard goods than you do with soft goods. So, you know, our show is all about parity. It's about prioritization of innovation. It's about uh, that person who has the new innovation that they're working on in their garage, putting them front and center, having innovation showcases, new product showcases where where buyers really can experience the sense of discovery that so many report to us is one of the main reasons that they go to trade shows to see what's next. You know, our whole show is going to be about a sense of, of discovery. Um, and we're also challenging and expanding the definition of outdoor to what's been included, you know, sort of considered tertiary in the past, you know, that could be overland, RV, fishing. I mean, they're things that bind us all together. You know, one, the distribution pressures that we talked about earlier, you know, Amazon, the big boxes. Two, the currently the shared consumer, paddlers or bikers, bikers or climbers, everybody camps. Like it's just the, the consumer is all the same. But third, sort of having this industry-wide dialogue around who will be our future shared consumer. Um, because the reality is, even though sort of our broadened industry definition of what is outdoor still doesn't reflect the composition of our country. And, and you know, Kenji has been a leader and on the forefront of diversity and inclusion initiatives within the, the outdoor industry. So uh, we're, we're excited about that. And we hope that in a small way, Big Gear Show can help contribute that discussion. That's awesome. Thank you. And it, it ties really well into the next um, question that I had that I received a lot of different feedback, different sides of the coin on um, the consumer day. Again, this is, a, this is a topic I'm inviting the audience to open their minds on because ultimately what you guys are trying to do here, it's a big vision. I applaud you for really going big. Uh, and ultimately, the focus that you're trying to put on, again, modernizing specialty retailers and brands in our space to really, really up-level how they're serving that consumer in an ongoing way. Um, let's talk about that consumer day, your approach to it. So, well, I can just tell you as a retailer, um, that that's the first thing we thought of when we did the consumer day is like, number one, is that we, we, we want to protect local retailers. We, we don't want the show to be a competitor with them. We want that to be a thing where they work together. So we're requiring our uh, our attendees who, uh, if they want to sell anything, and it's certainly not mandatory, um, that they work with their local retailers to make sure that they're held, they're, they're made whole. And that's just coming from, you know, me as a retailer, just having some empathy for those people that are around there. From our perspective, I mean, I, I think consumers are just a missing but crucial voice in an industry celebration like this. I mean, it, I think what a consumer day does and gives brands, especially the small and up, upcoming brands, up and coming brands, is just unparalleled access to consumers and industry media to get their brand stories out. You know, I think that enhances their ROI for the show uh, as, as, as an exhibitor, both to be able to get that brand story out and do some, uh, some selling as well. But, you know, I, I think in an already cluttered media environment, it just really in benefits brands who are our targets, who are the brands that invest the most and in, in most heavily in innovative new pro products. And yeah, like Darren said, I mean, we're going to have guardrails. Um, you know, the consumer day is meant to be, you know, brand celebration first with selling, if any, at the brand's discretion. They got to work with local retailers and dealers, which isn't as relevant to paddle sports given the geography, but definitely relevant to biking and climbing and, and camping. Um, not required to sell. And the other thing that, that I've heard, especially from some retailers, I don't think they fully appreciate because they don't often stick around until the end of OR is that the last day of OR and other big national shows 
like it or not, are effectively consumer days right now. There's a lot of badge trading and non-industry locals roaming around looking for defenders to dump their samples, which definitely hurts local retailers. So our approach is by sanctioning this activity, we can put actual controls over directing sales in a positive manner for local shops and brands rather than destructive ones. So, you know, bottom line, like Jared said, I mean, we're, we're committed as retailers to the consumer day being a positive for the industry and the brands and local retailers. And that's how we're, we're framing the consumer day. That's super helpful. Thanks. And again, I feel like if the listener can open their mind and realize this, there really isn't an apples to apples comparison for the big gear show. Obviously, we'll have different discussions after we get through our inaugural year, and I'm looking forward to keeping tabs on that with both of you here on Channel Mastery. But ultimately, I'm inviting the the audience of Channel Mastery to really think about what a consumer day could actually, how, how it could benefit them as part of this investment to send a team member or several team members out to Salt Lake for the show this year. And maybe there's a way they can actually like offer their insights to you. I know that you guys are actively updating um, your Facebook and you shared with me just before the show that they that um, both Darren and Sutton are committed to updating their uh, website with updates on exhibitors, attendees, etc. So that's that can be found right at the biggearshow.com. But I feel like this consumer day actually is quite an opportunity if we approach it with an open mind. Well, you know, it happens at Cunucopia is um, we think of Cunucopia as a sale, but it's also a giant focus group because uh, the smart vendors have a product designer there and they're watching people crawl in and out of booths and they're asking them questions. And when they look at a color and wrinkle their nose, like, hey, what do you think of that color? So they use that. So for the brands, this is a great opportunity for them to have a giant focus group talking to people. Someone stops in front of your booth and looks at something and say, hey, have you seen this before? No, I've never seen that before. Hey, this is really cool. Tell me more about it. Hey, put your name and email on this card and we'll we'll keep you updated on our new products. And they're going to direct them to the retailers, right? So think about that, you know, that attachment to an end consumer again. Um, it's not bypassing. It's actually helping steer, right? And I think I said to you before, it's like when we when they legalize pot <laughs> in, in Colorado, um, they were able to control its distribution a lot more and able to keep tabs on what's going on. And so by putting the guardrails that Sutton and I are talking about, we can mold that that experience into something that's beneficial to everybody. That's such a good point. And I, I love the analogy, not only because it's funny, I mean, let's all admit it's funny, but it's so spot on because ultimately the consumer, are they're already finding their way into these um, gatherings, if you will. So that'll be great to see how that unfolds. And I love that you bring your um, feedback from Canucopia in because obviously there's not a person in, in the industry who knows that show that would not point to it as, as a real fantastic you know, example of a win with a consumer show. Um, and I know that the cycling industry and, and the community of cycling per se is definitely looking at sea otter, for example, as you know, not only the kickoff to the season, but the global leading consumer uh, gathering, if you will. So it's just interesting that you guys are, are uh, adding this on at the beginning, and I'm wondering how it's going to develop because obviously Salt Lake is a great location uh, to potentially expand this. So we'll see what go where that goes in the future. And on a similar note, I was hoping um, that we could talk a little bit about how you're talking about structuring the networking and collaborative education opportunities of the Big Gear Show. I feel like there is a let's get down to business. Let's really, really do curation, discovery. But then there's also that bridge to the shopper that we all share. Um, the shopper that loves to go on their mountain bike, loves to paddle, et cetera. Like they, we know that they're, it's one consumer enjoying all of these outdoor activities. So how are you planning on enabling us to up our game in terms of how we're discovered by, how we nurture, how we serve, and ultimately convert that shopper today? Sure. So one of our great partners, one of the best relationships that we have is with the National Bike Dealers Association. Um, they represent 1,100 independent bike uh, dealers from around the country. And that organization is heavily invested in, in dealer education. Um, and we're working with the MBDA and a variety of other stakeholders 
as we speak on a really dynamic um, education and retailer, peer-to-peer retailer uh, education program. So we should be making some announcements about that here in the next few weeks. But, you know, needless to say, we strongly believe that retailers will benefit from just the cross-pollination of best practices and innovative ways of, of approaching uh, local events. And by retailers working with other retailers across category lines that have never really been in the same room before, there's going to be just this great collective learning for the industry. So um, that it's, it's going to be a, a big part of what we're doing. Stay tuned for some more information on that. But we're, we're excited about, about making that a core pillar of what we're doing. I can't wait to see what develops there. And and I sincerely mean that. I just feel like people are hungry for that right now. And I also just have this like vision in my mind that I smile every time I think of it, of, of walking down the aisles and seeing, you know, great brands from paddle sports, from outdoor and from cycling all in the same place, serving buyers that are expanding their minds, like with every step they take. <laughs> That's a perfect world scenario. But on this show, we have, always pontificated and beaten the drum on the fact that we are sharing a consumer and a shopper, obviously, across all of these markets, because everyone who's in these markets, I think, loves cycling, loves outdoor, loves camping, loves all of it, even overlanding, right? And I just feel like it's been uh, one of the things that has needed to be modernized for a long time is not having these trade shows held in different buildings in different cities. I do understand as you're educating us on today, like the continued moving target of the buying cycle, et cetera. But ultimately, we always have to go back to how we serve that shopper today. And I love that you guys are focusing on that. You are disrupting. And I do think that you've brought up a great point that I'd love to wrap up here today with maybe some final thoughts on. We can't have just one big trade show solution for such multifaceted specialty businesses that we run today. So Darren, I have a question that I'd like to direct to you. Um, There are some in the outdoor community who believe that an alternative show, should it be successful like the Big Gear Show, could pull would pull attendees and participants away from outdoor retailer, which some see as the industry's largest convergence. And knowing that Emerald Expositions and Outdoor Industry Association are conjoined financially with Emerald, of course, being the producer of the Outdoor Retailer Show, that could potentially hamstring the power of the industry's voice collectively on important issues like climate participation and diversity, things that the Outdoor Industry Association shepherds for us. What's your take on that? Well, you know, as Sutton and I both said before, we both served on the OIA board for, you know, two full terms each and have a tremendous amount of respect for the OIA, OIA has done. Um, you know, we've, we've been to Washington, you know, we've, we've done the Capitol Summit. So we know what they do and it's good stuff. Um, that said, I'm, we're pretty simple guys, right? We just wanted to do what we think is right for the industry. We started Paddle Sports Retailer, uh, that model, to do what's best for paddle sports, which is to keep the prices down where people can afford them so they can reinvest the money they have instead of spending it on very expensive trade shows. They can spend it on things like, I don't know, R&D, salaries for their employees, you know, keeping the lights on, stuff like that. So that's all we want. We just wanted to create a business model that would be viable for the hard goods section of the industry. Now, as far as the, you know, it's going to ruin the show or it's going to hurt it or whatever. You know, they said that when, when GOA started connect and it didn't seem like that big of a difference. GOA has a really cool business model, connects a great show and it serves a completely different purpose than winter OR. So I think, I think we're fine here. Thank you. That's a great answer. It does seem Interesting when you think about it, it's hard to use your your company as a vehicle for positive change if you are financially challenged, which so many people are in this industry. So I see your yeah. point of view there. Mm-hmm. I'd love it if you could just kind of wrap up the show here by really talking about how you're hoping to be additive and you know really bring just a boost of the discovery and the curation of the hard goods, which I think really does attract a big part of this shopper today. Um, to the community that you plan to build around the Big Gear Show? Look, pretty much everyone in the industry acknowledges that the current show model is broken. And what's worked in the past just doesn't meet a lot of needs. 
especially around focus and honestly just around the exorbitant cost of of exhibiting at and attending the show from exhibitors and retailers both and and so you know sort of my parting thoughts would be you know if you look closely at our logo it's a mountain range shaped like a big tent and that's exactly what we are we're a big tent you know we want to invite the industry into our tent um, you know, like you said, visit our website for updates, reach out, start a dialogue with us. I mean, we're, we're small, we're agile, we're hungry. We want to earn your business and your trust and your partnership because, I mean, there's a lot at stake. I mean, Main Street gear shops are struggling. Some are closing. Um, we all see the emails and the updates uh, on that. You know, the world out there is evolving. Um, and in some ways, in many ways, it's evolving faster than the speed of national trade shows and associations. And so... Um, you know, the big gear show gives the hard goods industry and the local retailers the opportunity to, to break out of the current paradigm, try something new, um, and, you know, importantly, keep the industry's hard-earned dollars within the industry and the innovators um, of the industry. So, um, you know, I, I really appreciate your uh, interest uh, in the show and what we're doing. Um, we look forward to seeing everyone in Salt Lake. Um, and please uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, Darren and me, Kenji Lance, Charles, Gavin, the whole team is here here for you. So um, we look forward to working with everyone. Thank you. And it, it has been an honor to have you guys on the show today. I realize this is a fast and furious time for you. Congratulations on the recent announcements of both Kenji and Lance. We have a lot of affinity and respect for them over here at the Channel Mastery Podcast. And you guys have built a true just a plus team uh, over there at the big gear show. And we'll definitely be including all the links where people can go and learn more about what you're offering. And again, it's www.biggearshow.com. Thank you so much to both of you for joining me here today on the channel mastery podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show today. If you're finding value in the Channel Mastery Podcast, and I certainly hope you are, I'd love to ask that you subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as rate and review the show on iTunes. Doing so helps more people discover the content, more specialty business and brand leaders can be helped by the incredible resources we're offering every week on the show. I also would like to invite you to join our community at channelmastery.com or verdepr.com. Sign up with your email and you'll receive special resources and content created just for friends of the podcast. You'll also receive advance notice of new channel mastery trainings and offerings. Thanks for listening and see you next week.